Though I recognize the work that still lies ahead, I have been incapable of feeling the same despair that has settled over us all these last few months, ever since the moment the news of FBI Director James Comey's firing broke. It suggested immediately that we have backed the monster into a corner. I often think you can see a man's weaknesses simply by observing very quietly how he attacks. I can no longer despair when I see the impeachment so clearly within our grasp. Guys, it's going to happen before his ice cream melts. Hello, handsomes. Welcome to Personally Speaking. Your friends are going to tell you some true stories about their lives while we slog through the last days of the apocalypse and make our way towards new growth. First of these is going to be Susie May. She's an absolute delight, as I say about most of the people on the show. She's a strategist. She's made uh, those really cute cards you've seen in LA, LA County store, uh, Only OK in LA. Uh, she talks about um, the influence specifically. She uses the theme of influence this month to talk about the influence of one's friends and the influence caused by some legal and illegal substances. Kelly McInerney. I'm going to try so hard to get that one. Kelly McInerney, all right, yes, Kelly McInerney, uh, who hosts uh, IMD Weed, um, she adds to our venerable collection of edible stories. Um, we're really starting to develop, a, develop a, a grip here. John Zucker, who I met at uh, Dope Fades, he does just a fantastic set. He's a sensitive young man who braved the outline of his grandfather's penis for just a shot at pure childlike joy guess he was an actual child at the time uh jimmy loftus friend of the show absolute favorite um she's got right in there this month i was really just floored by this she dug deep to extract a really a tender funny story this is a moving about the impact that uh the very serious impact that mental illness can have on a friendship and she gets into the strange timing of crushes, especially the you know the way it's impacted by the way that men and women develop differently. Uh, it reminded me of that Arcade Fire lyric, actually. Um, when love is gone, where does it go? Denny Adelise rounds out the show. Yes, another show favorite. She tells an extremely embarrassing um, imagined moment of intimacy that turned into a real lasting loving relationship so that's some cool stuff we are not doing a live show in the month of june but we'll still be releasing a great episode of greatest hits so stay tuned especially if you're a new listener best way to listen to this show most easy um, most easily just subscribe to it using the podcast app on your phone do that shit and then tell your friends about personally speaking in any way you can it delights me to see New listeners in Austria, Japan, but I want to—I really want to see the numbers go up in LA. We're raining, but let's get to the top. Enjoy the show. And now, please put your hands together and give a big welcome to our host, Christiana Morgan Welcome to Personally Speaking, the show where your friends tell true stories to make you laugh. How you guys feeling tonight? Woo! Woo! 
I like that. It sounds like you guys all know the impeachment is coming. Put your hands together if you have never been to this show before. Give it up. Put your hands together if you think Comey has the piss tapes. That's what I thought. I know we're, I know we're together on that. Uh, clap your hands if you are feeling like when you think about impeachment, like the feeling of having your underwear kind of bunch up around your lips is actually a good one. Like, it's comfy. You're like, ooh. It's a little bit of a just perk in your work day. Uh, and now, finally, clap your hands if you have been to this show before, folks. Personally speaking. Like every house party, we have a few house rules. Um, first things first, everyone who gets up on this stage just desperately wants to be loved. They want your affection, your attention, all those good things. Like, I think that if somebody asks for your love, you give it to them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't want to. That's just my philosophy in this world, and it's gotten me very far in relationships. So, uh, second, uh, I guess 1.5 rule um, is that everyone who gets up here has up to 10 minutes. I'm going to give them the light if they're going close to 10 or if I kind of don't want to hear them talk anymore. Uh, And then second rule, uh, stories only have to be true to the best of the storyteller's perspective, comedian's perspective. People get real... People get real antsy about if I say the next storyteller coming to the stage, they say, I'm not a storyteller. If I say the next comedian coming to the stage, they say, I'm not a comedian. If I say, you know, like, the next communist coming to the stage, you know, it just, it's just a lot of disrespect in this room sometimes. <laughs> um, so anyway, third and final rule is it just has to be funny. I, for one, think one of the funniest shows on this story uh, this, one of the funniest stories on this show uh, was when my best friend told about the time that she tried to kill herself by drowning herself in the bathtub, but the bathtub wasn't deep enough. Like, straight up. Think about that. You try to drown yourself, and the bathtub isn't deep enough. This is a woman who's five foot. Adds to the story, doesn't it? Um, so, I don't know. I, it feels good. This feels like a good way to like kick off a Friday night. Feeling all right. I like Fridays. Yes. Thank you. Woo to the Friday. Um, I like Fridays. I'm not sure. I'm kind of in between on how I feel about Sundays. Um, my favorite way to, like, you get to relax. My favorite way to relax on Sundays is just get out there and spend absolutely all my money. Just, like, take the number in my bank account and reduce it to zero. Like, get up first thing in the morning. I'm like, well, it's 10 a.m. Time to go have a $9 vegan burrito. Let's do it. Start spending. And then I'm like, hmm, $55 facial? Yes, please. Throw in some product. I got a tax refund coming. (laughs) I never, ever, ever buy product. That was like, that was a really scary moment for me. It's like my life is just spiraling out of control because I spent $18 on toner. It felt good, and it was like a gel. It wasn't even like, it wasn't like a normal, I don't know, I don't know if men know what I'm talking about, but like, some of you do. Um, <laughs> some of you do. Some of you care about yourselves. Uh, second ritual I have on Sundays, I like to tail cops. <laughs> Flips a script. You guys ready to start the show? Yeah. That's what I thought, that's what I thought. Got a lot of beautiful, handsome people. We got a lot of beautiful, handsome people. You know, a lot of them from places such as um, the internet and also um, from perhaps Twitter or even perhaps Facebook. But I know you guys are going to love them. Uh, first person coming to the stage. See? I didn't do anything with that one. I didn't say anything about their identity. It's very funny. Put your hands together for Susie May. 
thank you so much for coming out. It's great to see all your smiling faces tonight. Um, the theme for the show is influence, and I'm going to tell you a little story that happened a long time ago when I was 23. Uh, I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time, and I was uh, easily influenced at the time. I didn't really know who I was, who I wanted to be, and the people that I hung out with um, were who I looked up to and kind of helped me form my identity at that time. I think we've all been through that in our early 20s, right? Um, I, I was in a band, a sludge metal band, called Bitch Wizard. <laughs> Um, it was uh, it was kind of one of the defining things about me. Um, I worked at a sushi restaurant, um, serving sushi, a high-end sushi restaurant, serving sushi to hipsters. Um, and around this time, I met someone named Miguel. Sweet, sassy little Miguel. Um, he's about this tall. Um, the moment I was introduced to him, I realized he was going to be my friend forever. You know when you have those friends where you meet them and you're like, no, we're going to dip into this at any point in time. We'll be friends forever. I get you. You get me. Everything is syncopatic. Um, and that's what me and Miguel were to each other. We actually even tried to date, but um, realized pretty quickly that he was 100% gay. <laughs> like, he, he tried to flex his spectrum for me, but it didn't work. So we just ended up being best friends. Um, and best friends turned into becoming drinking buddies. And then later on in the night, drinking buddies would turn into cocaine buddies. Um, we actually had a month where we were meth buddies, um, which consisted solely of figuring out how we were going to rob a bank um, and talking about how much we adored Courtney Love. So um, Miguel and I, um, I took the risky uh, move of inviting Miguel to work with me at my restaurant. He got hired. And I say it's risky because he had a reputation at the time for um, getting fired from every server job that he had. Um, he was unreliable. He came in late a lot. He would drink on the job. And um, one night, we had had three black opals each after our shift. And the best way to describe a black opal is uh, it's a trashy Long Island iced tea. <laughs> it's basically a giant pint glass filled with booze with a little bit of Dr. Pepper and some Midori sprinkled on top. <laughs> we were on our third, our third, and he starts hitting on my boss, a 100% straight family guy with kids who was getting very, very uncomfortable with comments like, I bet you've got a Nordic track at home. And... <laughs> You know I love bald guys. Uh, it was getting so weird. I said, Miguel, you have to go. We have to leave. Um, and the last thing I said to him that night was, you got it, right? You're six blocks from home. And the next time I heard from him was in the morning asking me to discharge him from the hospital. Uh, I went to see him laying in the hospital bed, and he was giggling. I started giggling. We both reeked of alcohol still. We started pulling off like the little sensors with the wires that were attached to his body. Like It was a big joke to us. And the doctor came in and saw me and said, I need to talk to you outside. And I was like, okay, I'm not his mom, but sure. <laughs> and the doctor said, your friend has one of the most advanced stage cases of alcoholism I have ever seen in a man his age. Uh, his organs are failing. If his problem right now is not that he's drunk and has alcohol in his system, his problem is what happens when he starts to process that alcohol and it no longer is in his system. Um, he, needs, he will go in and have seizures 
he might fall, he might hurt himself. Um, that's actually what happened to him last night. He fell backwards, lost consciousness, and spent the night in the ER. And I couldn't, I couldn't do this. Uh, my band, Bitch Wizard, was going, um, was leaving town for a week the next day. And I did the best thing 23-year-old me could do. I bought him three vitamin waters and tucked him into bed and said, Miguel, you got this. You're going to be okay, right? We went on tour, and um, Bitch Wizard and I, me and two guys, Jeff and John, um, who were, they had experienced, like, the heyday of the Dandy Warhols and the heroin scene, and they had been to hell and back, and they were now sober. I like to call them uh, their particular style of living as... um, health metal. And they were actually good influences on me. And we ended up in LA on this tour at a Halloween party at Jerry Bruckheimer's house. Um, Long story how we got there. Basically, we knew people. One of us knew someone. One of us had a brother who was his personal assistant. Whatever. We got in. We were there. And I was dressed like a Ronald, busted Ronald McDonald, um, like a female version with a little yellow dress and like like a sexy kind of like dirty Ronald McDonald with like the thigh high, like, you know, striped red and white like leg warmers and a long ratty red wig. And I looked a mess. And I'm hanging out at this Beverly Hills party, like, talking shit to people. Apparently, the Brazilian knife-throwing champion of the world was there. And I was like, throw in a knife. I can throw a knife. And then, and then blew cigarette smoke directly in her face. And um, Jeff, one of the guys in the band, came up to me and put his hands on my shoulder. And was like, Susie, I think it's time for you to go take a nap in the band van. And I'm all drunk and rowdy, and I look at Jeffrey, and I was like, Jeffrey, okay. (laughs) Okay. I was okay with it. You know, he was a good influence on me. And at that moment, I realized that what I was doing with Miguel was actually destroying myself. I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know how to connect to the person that I wanted to be. But these health metal dudes in Bitch Wizard were actually the best influence that I could possibly have. And the next morning, as I crawled out of that van where we had found a place to park on the side of the road um, in Venice, um, I made my way to a bridge. I don't know where there's a bridge in Venice at this point in time. Is there a bridge in Venice? I, my memories are fuzzy. But I'm hanging over it, trying not to throw up. And Miguel calls me, and I pick up my little razor. <laughs> you remember those things? And uh, he's like... I'm so sick. I've been having seizures all night. Like I just, I, I'm fucked up and I'm, I'm dying. And it, I felt terrible for him. But I also realized that I didn't have the ability to be his mom. I couldn't be there for him while I was still trying to define who I was. And that was the last time I saw Miguel um, that night that he went to the hospital, or the morning that I dropped him off him at his house. Except for today, I actually looked him up on Facebook and asked him a friend request. He looks good, and I'm hoping that maybe this next round of friendship, I can be a good influence to him. And that's my story. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Um, for those of you who are at the last show or even just like recently just talking to me, um, you probably know that I read a lot of Teen Vogue. Uh, they are leaders of the resistance, and we all should be reading Teen Vogue. Um, 
Just really quickly, I'm not going to delve into this because I covered it a lot in the last show, but uh, I just want to give you a quick sample of three headlines that are on Teen Vogue's website right now. One, okay? Is Bella Hadid trying to have a revenge body? She does. She does. She has a revenge body on just God, Christ. Beyonce and Michelle Obama are totally friendship goals. They are. Third, a selected history of civil disobedience. (laughs) Oh, fucking right, Team Vogue. Yes, I love it. I love this attitude. I love the idea that, you know, that girls can contain, like, more than one thought, more more than one emotion. That's, like, it's kind of wild in this this crazy world. Uh, Recently saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Put your hands together if you've heard of or seen of or anything. Yeah. I was a little confused, though, because... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, a film with Volume 2 in its title, was significantly more emotionally mature and rewarding than any indie romance I've seen since 2009. <laughs> Straight up. And so I was thinking, I was kind of like running through the characters on my mind. I was like, what is it about this that's like really speaking to me? And I was like, okay, well, we have, you know, like we have our protagonist who is basically like kind of a dumb, self confident white guy, but he's lovable. He's got a good heart. And you've got, like, the violent, kick-ass female who's, like, an alien babe. You've got um, this mouthy sidekick who's, like, who's, who's basically just replacing, you know, vulnerability with solid insults. And, uh, and then finally you've got um, a rich Asian girl who kind of lacks self-sufficient. If you guys have seen the movie, you'll know that part. So what I realized was, though, that's the Futurama live-action movie I've waited for. <laughs> So many years. Um, like, I watched, like, gross trailers where people cut in, like, Paris Hilton as Leela. It was, it was a weird time. Like, years and years of the internet was just trying to create this. And finally, it's like, ah, there it is. Um, it's also just, you know, it's a moving movie. It's great. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you guys want to keep going? Let's keep going. Um, we, can, we can talk more about my past relationships later. I assure you I have plenty to share. Um, I'm a little concerned about how short the mic is. I feel like the, mic, the, the line, I feel like I can't hang myself with it tonight. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll get there, folks. Where there's a will, there's a way. Um, guys, I would love for you to put your hands together for this lovely gal uh, who hosts IMD Weed, which sold. I'm sold. Thank you. Put your hands together for Kelly McInerney. <laughs> I'm Dweed's a podcast. Uh, check it out. We actually just went to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yo, I didn't think about all that. I loved it, though, because Groot, just Groot. Groot was so adorable. Like, I get it. I get why people love, love Groot. He's the best. There's a dance scene. Anyways, <laughs> it's so cute. Just keep thinking about it. I looked up all these gifs for Groot. Couldn't find enough. Uh, that's all I want to say. I, um, uh, yeah, the, the theme is influences. It was difficult to choose, like, what type of influence. Like, do I want to talk about Jim Carrey, the guy who, like, shaped me and influenced me as a human being? You know, like, we all know the greatest movie of all time, Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls. Uh, <laughs> the best. Uh, did I dress up for him at, for Halloween? Yes, twice. <laughs> Ace Ventura and, uh, Curveball, the Riddler, because he was actually pretty good in that. He was the only good thing in that. Watch it again and you'll believe me. Uh, uh, but then I did 
I decided to just do under the influence of edibles. Yeah. Uh, edibles. One of my top three fi- favorite things to do in life. Uh, edibles. It's great. We have a tum- <laughs> tumultuous history. It's kind of like an on-again, off-again romance like Miley and Liam Helmsworth. She's, edibles are the Miley, I feel like. I think I'm more of the Liam. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I first did edibles as we, uh, as most millennials do in college, right? Uh, we always have that one really stoned friend, like a really stoner friend, uh, who just like has everything and just is always constantly high. Uh, I did, her name was Megan. Not, I know, not a weird name, but she was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was friends with her in freshman year, and then she, like, disappeared off the face of the earth two years later. By that, I mean I can't find her on Facebook. <laughs> Last time I saw her, she was wearing... She's a white girl with dreads. She became a white girl with dreads. She, not when I met her, but, like, later on. So, you know, she could be, like, in Alphabet City in Manhattan, like, singing about how poor she is, or maybe in politics, you know? We don't know. We don't know where she is. And then a few months pass, I go to, I do uh, edibles uh, the fancy way, you know, in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, I went to Amsterdam with my friend, uh, Donna, is really cool, except Donna, a huge downer, you know. I was 19 at the time, you know, which is, a, I think, the perfect age to go to Europe, because, like, sure, you're a college kid and you could get wasted all the time, but there's something different about, like, being legally allowed to get wasted and still being young. So I was, like, ready to, like, paint the town red and party and shit. But Donna is, like, 28, uh, no, 27, so she's eight years older than me. And she's like, no, nah, I don't want to do any of that. But, but she's like a fucking pussy. I hate <laughs> We don't hang out anymore because she's got kids. Ugh, you know, fuck that. And she lives in New Jersey. Uh, that's the bigger reason. Um, but, um, she, uh, yeah, so she, we, like, went to Germany after, and she hated beer, and I took, I had a beer at dinner, and she had Sprite, and the beer was cheaper than the Sprite, and I was like, I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed. <laughs> it was great. Uh, maybe I'm an alcoholic. I don't know. It's cool. No, I'm not. It's, well, that's what alcoholics say, right? Oh, <laughs> I fell in love with Europe, Europe, because <laughs> it's so cheap. But anyways, I was like, yo, Donna, we got we to gotta try a space cake out here. You know, it's Amsterdam. You got to live like they tell you to li- when you go to Amsterdam. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how you find out about space cakes either. Like, I don't know if I found out in college or just watched an episode of that 70s show. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, space cake is like a pot brownie. But not. It's like a brownie and a cake had a baby, and it's weed related. It's not that good, to be honest. Like, we were supposed to share it, but then right before uh, we were about to eat it, she's like, I don't even like brownies. And I was like, Who are you? Who doesn't fucking like brownies? Fucking lunatic. Ugh, I, uh, I forget what her kids are named. I was trying to make fun of them. Never mind. <laughs> One is, ah, man, it's like a line of clothes at Macy's. Like, literally, Kenzie! Ken, that's, what, no, that's what it is. And the other one, I forget. Anyways, so I ate most of it. And then, like, it was fine. I feel like they make them weak for tourists. But then again, I don't know. I don't remember. It was a while ago. 
Uh, we did like wander around the red light district after giggling, and we went to see a sex show, which sounds fun. Then you go there, and it's literally just people having sex on stage, and you're like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Did get some penis pops, though, which I personally was uh, like laughed about because it was fun, just like penis lollipops. I just love those shits. I don't know. I move here. It's fun. It's a fun time. I don't get my weed card for a little bit because I heard, like, somebody told me that you can't get a government job if you ever had a weed card in the past. And I was like, I might want to be a spy one day. <laughs> like, that is a legit thought, <laughs> what I was thinking. Or, like, even a cop. I feel like I'd be a great cop because I'm a great asshole. And I'd probably look good in, de- in Navy, you know? That's it. I went to a shooting range once. It was really fun. No, no shouldn't talk about guns and cops. Awkward. <laughs> Uh, but then, then I eventually got one. Uh, now I'm a card-carrying... I just carry a card, a weed card, just weed card, card carrying person, weed card carrying person. That's what I am. Uh, It's cool. It's uh, if you've ever been to a dispensary, it's like 7-Eleven, but cleaner uh, and just filled with all weed things, like so many things, like so many, like cookies, goldfish, uh, Cheetos, which are called Weedos. Not even kidding. They have like a funny, like they parody the Cheetos on the bag. It's great. Like just buy it for the branding. You know, you don't even have to eat. They have Fruit Loops too. I forget what they're called. Oh, man. They've got bath salts made by Whoopi Goldberg. No joke. Not to eat. This is not Florida, but just to good to have in the bath, you know? <laughs> it's cool. I have a lot of fun on edibles. It's really cool. I like to just... Uh, do you guys ever get so high that you uh, think you're talking to a ghost, but you actually butt dial your friend? <laughs> do you guys ever get so high that you watch a girl's Facebook video talking about her pets for seven minutes, and you don't even really know the friend, and she doesn't even show her pets. She just, like, talks about them. So mad. Do you guys ever get so high... <laughs> You guys ever get so high you believe in love again? I don't. I don't. Uh, most recently, I got super high after eating a snickerdoodle cookie. Part of it. You can't eat the whole thing. Part of a snickerdoodle cookie. I was like, I'm going to make some mac and cheese. Easy mac. Super easy, right? Wrong. I burnt my stomach. Here's the burn. Can you see it? It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the water, uh, the cheese, uh, the, what is it? Noodles absorbed all the water. And I tried to break it apart, and it just burned my stomach. Uh, and that's a way to cure munchies, you guys. That's a way. I don't know. That's it. My name's Kelly McInerney. Thank you. Bye. Car broke down the other day. Thank you. Uh, and it didn't, <laughs> even worse, it didn't even, like, break down. It just, like, gave up uh it was it was very much like like you know how you know if you're um if you're those of you who have dogs hamsters snakes whatever if you're bringing your pet to uh to a veterinarian's office and that creature knows where it's going it will sit down on its snake leash and just refuse to move it's weird of you to have put your snake on a leash but that's probably why it didn't move um 
So anyway, uh, the car was just like, nope, we're not going anywhere. And I was pretty much climbing up um, a very busy street. Um, and <laughs> the car in front of me immediately stops, I assume, to jump out and yell about me about being a failure. And I was like, bring it on. Let's do this. Um, and they surprised me. Instead, they jump out. And we're immediately like, yo, like you clearly need help. And I'm like, do I give off that vibe? I do. Uh, and so uh, uh, I, they basically just like ran up, um, told me to open the window, and then just laughed in my face. <laughs> uh, no, they said, hey, you clearly need help. Like, I'll get behind the car. And I was like, no, that's okay. Like, I'll jump out. Like, it was a man. So I was like, no, I'll jump out. That's fine. Like, if you just like get in my car and put it in neutral, please, I'll push. I was that uncomfortable um, with the thought of accepting help from a male. And so I was, uh, so I was like, fuck. I was like, fuck, no. And so, uh, so I was like, okay, cool. He jumps behind the car, and then two cop cars come whizzing by. Also people I'm not comfortable accepting help from at this point in America. And so uh, they, they immediately just like turn around. Dude, it was like the kind of, it's the kind of move you want to make as a driver. It was just like that turn around, like block every single oncoming car and be like, yeah, fuck you. And so they, they pause. They just like hunker down and the both of them, they look at me and one of them is just like, we got you. I was like, are you guys doing a rebranding program? What is going on here? The last time a cop tried to win my favor over, he just like gave me two dumb, dumb lollipops. So I feel like they're up in their game. So, um, uh, and of course I spat in his face and said, fuck you, pig. Um, just kidding, I took two. So, uh, and so they pulled over and they, they also got behind the car and this guy like literally just like runs up and, and is like, pull on your wheel hard as you can, harder than that. And I was like, mm, I'm doing it hard enough, it's fine, stop it. And then he, he pulls down the wheel and he's like, hold it in place here and we get the car turned all the way around, pull over to the not busy side of the street because the cops are protecting me. And um, and so they finally we get to the car off to the side and finally I have to do the thing because the guy who jumped out of the car was hot oh my god he was um, fine as hell and I was like that doesn't happen in real life and uh, and so he was fine as hell young black man and uh, and he was very fit and very helpful and polite and cool and I was just like men aren't those things what are you doing and so. He, uh, he finally just starts running away, and I have to do the thing where I'm like, what's your name? And, uh, and he stops, and he's like, Denzel Washington. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was Dave Chappelle. Um, no, it was, he's like, Marcus. And I was like, thank you, Marcus. And, uh, and I, the whole time, though, up until that exact moment, until I, until I, like, got a name from this person and, you know, decided to, like, reach out in a moment of vulnerability. I was so uncomfortable, so completely just, like, disgusted. I want to step out of my skin at the thought of accepting help from men. And that was a, a legitimate feeling. It kind of it paralyzed me. And I was like, that's not good. Like, you shouldn't completely lose trust in all humans, like, even when they're in the midst of being nice to you. And so I, um, so I was like, okay, we'll unpack that later, as I do with all things. And so... I just said, like, hey, thanks. Um, got, uh, got out and waited for the tow truck to come and got back onto my life and have now, I'm now trying to figure out how to pay $740 worth of repairs. So, cool. Um, definitely gonna be paying for that on a Sunday. Uh, 
and I will not be having as many facials. So anyway, though, I was it was weird because it sparked a thought that I'm uncomfortable with as well, which is that a lot of my influences and the people that have shaped me have been like men I've been in relationships with. Um, my, my very first love, who I think I told you guys last month, I have blocked on everything um, because he sent me a photo of a very fat rabbit at 2 a.m. and said, look at this pic of a fat-ass rabbit. <laughs> and I said, what you doing, Douglas? Uh, so <laughs> I was uncomfortable with that. It was very strange to me. So uh, anyway, but the thing was, like, when, when we were together, it was great. Our first real relationship, we were, uh, we were deep in high school, and we were deep in love, and it taught me um, so much about what I, like, the level of passion and respect that I deserve, if, if not at least, very least, want in a given relationship. And that had a bit, in, like, a big impact on me. I'm sure that's at least part of why I have the confidence to get up here and trash that man. Um, <laughs> But the like the second relationship I got into, um, second like real major love, like obviously I've I've you know gone through a lot of people in my life, but um, my very short little existence. Um, second guy was super into the band Yacht, um, so that says a lot about him already right off the bat. And that weirdly it like it got me into a lot of the sci-fi that uh, that shaped a lot of you know my ideas about what was possible. And like I started you know like buying Criterion Collection shirts and stuff like that. And I was like a cooler person. I felt cooler. And I came out of that relationship just speaking better French. I speak better French now. Like that's a thing that that's a major influence. That's nuts. Any guy who means me, any girl who means me, whatever, uh, any being that means me is just like, like we share something interesting. And that happened entirely because I got into this relationship where both of us were the asshole kids who were like hands up in the air for four semesters of French in high school. So um, thirdly, the coolest thing I think uh, my third relationship taught me was that uh, I can't trust anyone whatsoever. So that was cool. Uh, v cool of him undoing that damage as we speak. Guys, I'm going to bring up our next comedian, <laughs> our next storyteller. Um, I actually just met this person because I had done, uh, done a short set uh, over at a show called Dope Fades, um, which broadcasts on Twitch TV, which I thought was really cool. Um, so I saw their set and was immediately like, uh, yeah, I have, I have a thing you can do. So put your hands together for the delightful John Zucker. So... I've always been a, a very emotional person where uh, most men reserve their tears for a funeral or when their favorite sports team does bad. Uh, I recently this year cried eating a sandwich because it tasted too good. <laughs> and I just got overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, which is a place where we take all of our emotions and we put it in one pizza. <laughs> and then everyone gets around that pizza and calls it a little bitch. <laughs> and uh, being emotional uh, made it difficult for me to connect uh, a bit with my dad. My dad is classically masculine, uh, which means that he can grow the beard connectors but his heart has trouble connecting. 
uh, he, he's, he's nice, but <laughs> he, uh, it, he was in high school, he was like a star athlete, and he always wanted me to be a star athlete, but I did not want to be. Uh, he, at one, he would say things like, you should play football, and I would say things like, do you think the birds get sad? <laughs> He could throw a baseball with the confidence of an MLB player where I could skip a stone with the confidence that even though we graduate in a week, I know we're going to be friends for life. (laughs) He could talk to girls, and I could look at my reflection in pools of water and whisper to myself, one day you'll be a star. Uh, being uh, emotional, I, I do get overwhelmed really easily. Uh, for example, the first time I saw the movie The Polar Express, I got so overwhelmed by the thought that there were no Jews in the movie that I wrote a letter to Santa asking why he was anti-Semitic. <laughs> and I, n- I know what you're thinking, John, you're 25, and The Polar Express came out in 2004. So that means you were 12 when you did that which is too old to be internalizing the potential prejudice of a fictional character. (laughs) But joke's on you, I didn't see that movie in theaters. (laughs) I saw that on Lifetime two years later when I was 14, (laughs) which is way too old (laughs) to do that. Uh, In my life, my influence... (laughs) (laughs) Seamless... (laughs) Uh, the, the people who always seem to help me get over my overwhelming emotions are actually old people. Uh, I don't know uh, if you've met old people, but they're like young people who don't care anymore. <laughs> and for me, the old person who's always affected me the most is my grandpa. My grandpa is an old Jewish man, which uh, means he has a really hearty laugh and the breasts of a woman half his age. <laughs> Uh, That's just the thing with uh, old Jewish men. They always have big boobs, so you have something to look at while they tell you long-winded jokes. (laughs) And uh, when I was seven, when I was a kid, we used to fly down to Boca Raton to visit my grandpa, because at a certain age, all Jews are like, let's move somewhere muggy and conservative. And I remember one year when I was seven years old, I went down there, and my grandpa got a, a golf cart. And I really, really wanted to ride the golf cart. And he said, okay, under the one stipulation that you have to sit on my lap. Now, there's no easy way for me to say this, so my grandpa has a huge dick. <laughs> like, just like a wise anaconda that's just been weathered by seeing time. And when he patted the tight inner thigh of his khaki and said hop in my heart went crazy (laughs) because my head was like i really want to ride a a golf cart but my heart was like i'm not gonna sit on a dick that's seen world war ii (laughs) my my head was just like but seriously when do you get to ride a golf cart you're seven and my heart was like each bump is another year of therapy you have to pay for in your life And I was freaking out, and I was excited, but I wasn't. My face was doing, like, a lot of things. And finally, my grandpa was just like, get in the damn go-kart or golf cart. And I was like, okay, damn's a bad word. So I I got in, and uh, 
At first, I immediately could recognize the feeling of what felt like a football player's hand on the small of my back, kind of guiding me in the first slow dance of prom, and that was terrible. But then I put my hands on the wheel, and he pressed the pedal, and I started to move. And all of a sudden, it didn't really matter, and it wasn't that bad. Truthfully, he was wearing pants. He wasn't fucking me. I was fine. (laughs) He was just being a good grandparent. And for the first time, as I was driving down those geriatric sideways at a hell-raising 15 miles per hour, I felt free. Now, this brings me to this year. Uh, About two months ago, I got a call that my grandma passed away. And uh, I immediately was surprised. I always forget that people die. It's one of those things I'm like, oh, yeah, we do that too. And uh, and I felt really sad, and I had a lot of regrets. uh, Because you could always call them more, and that's something you just feel. And so me and my cousins and my family went down, and we watched my grandma get buried in a mausoleum, which is where they just kind of like put a person on a shelf to save them for later, I guess. And afterwards, I went back to my grandpa's house to eat a lot of deli meat until I could fall asleep. And when I was back there, at one point, I had uh, a piece of roast beef kind of curled up in a ball that I was shoving into my mouth like a person who had no goals. And this old man I'd never met before came up to me. And he said, are you uh, the comedian? And I said, sometimes. And he said, I've got a joke for you. And I said, just to be clear, we just watched my grandma get put on a shelf (laughs) forever. And he was like, I know, and just went into it. (laughs) And so he stared into the turmoil and regret in my eyes of someone who just lost someone. And he said, so a woman gets a call from her mother. And her, her mother says, oh, my God, I just got a new job. And she was like, what did you get a new job for, Mom? You're 85 years old. She's like, no, it's a good job. It's at a bank. It's like, what are you working at a bank for? It's like, no, it's a sperm bank. Sperm bank. Mom, what are you doing? She's like, no, it's an easy job. I sit by the door, and as the gentlemen leave, I say thank you for coming. And I stared in this person's eyes (laughs) because I just lost someone and it was the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life. It was insane. He just watched me bury my grandma and thought, hmm, time for a cum joke. (laughs) This is the moment I bring this one out (laughs) from the vault. And I kind of just had this moment of clarity that life gets overwhelming. Um, some sandwiches are too good. The birds do get sad. Santa hates Jews. We're not all going to be good at sports. Sometimes you accidentally feel your grandpa's dick on your back. And everyone dies. And you can let that ruin you. Or you could take a step back. You can listen to an old guy tell you a cum joke. And you can move on. Thanks. That's my story. Bye. Keep it going for come. This is mine now. Um, 
That's great. Uh, somebody who like objectively even just hates joking about sex, like oh, please anything but sex. Uh, that was fantastic. Thank you, guys. Keep it going for John Zucker. And for crying about sandwiches. Um, so just just want to do like a little brief brief little jaunt. I was thinking about um, this will be a quick one, and then we'll we'll get into our uh, next comic, who you guys will all love. Um, when I was thinking about all the ways that men have thrust upon me their influence, uh, it did occur to me that my first love actually prepared me the um, best of all of them for dating in L.A., which I say because we first started dating in middle school, which is exactly like dating in L.A. So first things first, I'm just going to break it down to three quick ones for you guys. Roll them out, pow, pow, pow. First things first, when people ask you if you're dating, you're like, we're not really like dating um, middle school, okay? Second of all, um, you don't really get to see each other except out of like outside of like socially convenient locations like work or school, um, middle school. Second or third, whichever, whatever numbers are. Numbers are an illusion. Time and a solution. Where are we? What are we? Who is this? Um, new phone. Who it is? Uh, anyway, finally, uh, last and most important thing um, in ways in which dating and middle school and things are alike, when you get fingered in the backseat of the car, you're going to call it love. Put your hands together for our next comedian, Jamie Loftus! Oh my goodness. Uh, how are you guys? You guys good? Okay, let's take a moment to just regroup. Storytelling stories are heavy, you know? It's hard. So I just want to do like just a brief exercise to bring us all back together. Some some calming phrases that calm me down. If you want to close your eyes, feel free. Uh, uh, here's my first favorite calming phrase. Uh, free hummus samples. Good. <laughs> Already I'm in a good headspace. Uh, try again. Uh, kissing your dad on the lips at age 24, but feeling fine about it. You know? <laughs> We're close and that's fine. I don't care the looks we get. Uh, here's my favorite one. Uh, if you would just with me uh, visualize uh, a horse prancing through the valley uh, proudly the day after her successful gender reassignment. Amazing. <laughs> Truly inspiring. Hey, uh, how many of you guys are on Twitter.com? I want to do a quick exercise with you guys. Just really, are we, okay, okay. If you are, if you have Twitter at your disposal, I, I would love for you to take out your phone really quick, and then I'm going to tell a very devastating story. Uh, but first, pl- please take out your phone uh, if you're if you're on Twitter. Holy shit, guys! Let's not. I've been planning this for all of seven minutes. Okay, well, if you if you would, please uh, tweet at Haley Joel Osment to attend one of my comedy shows. I've been trying to get him to meet me for two full years. He has blocked me, unblocked me, blocked me again, unblocked me again. Right now, we're back at one. We're neutral. <laughs> if you want to tweet Haley Jalosman, come to one Jamie Loftus comedy shows, like whatever. I'll give you some dates. I'll give him some options. Um, no, I um. I might have to refer to my notes a couple times because I, I, I couldn't decide who uh, uh, or what kind of influence I wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, but I've been thinking a lot about my best friend 
uh, growing up. My best friend for 13 years, his name was Peter, uh, and not was as in there's a tragic ending to this story, was as in we're not friends anymore. Uh, and which is not the worst ending to that story, but it, it bothers me because I don't know why my best friend who I met when I was six years old and I aren't best friends anymore. Um, and it was weird because before I'd met Peter, like my parents were two best friends who married each other because they felt they had run out of options, right? Like, you know, like we're from a relatively insulated town and they had had and would brag about this in public they're like yeah we used to have crushes on each other's best friends but then they got married and we're like well looks like this is happening right (laughs) and that was their amazing story of love Uh, so growing up for me like friends being married was very much the norm do we want to sleep in the same bed no we're buds Dad chills on the couch and watch, watches hockey games. Like, that's a great marriage. And um, and my mom, like, she would kind of push that on me when I was younger, or she would encourage me, you know, when I was, like, really, really little. Uh, she'd be like, oh, like, if you're friends with a boy, he should be your boyfriend. Uh, because that's something that unhappy couples love to do is insist how happy they actually are. <laughs> They're like, marrying your friend is the best idea in the world, when actually they're just like sitting on the couch next to each other, uh, zoning out, watching reruns, thinking about fucking literally anyone else. And <laughs> that's what's actually happening. But my, my, uh, my parents were just like, oh yeah, if, you're, if your best friend's a boy, you're going to marry him someday. And that also happens on every television show. Um, so when I was very young, uh, that was how I thought of, of boys in general, and then there were my cousins, and that was it. And then I met Peter when I was, when I was six, and, and meeting him in first grade was like the first time that I thought that someone who got a different toy at McDonald's than me uh, could just be a friend <laughs> that I liked to hang out with and not someone I inevitably had to be in an unhappy marriage with someday. Uh, And it was good. Like, it it was really good. It was, you know, we just, we we were not into sports. We weren't into balls. We weren't into uh, the potential of pain being inflicted on our bodies. And so in the first grade, we would hang out together, and we would try to catch frogs, and that was our jam. He liked me because I was tall, so I could catch frogs. Frogs. I liked him because he was small and I could kick his ass. Like that was, it was an amazing dynamic that sustained for thirteen full years. Uh, and I did like when I was when when Peter was my best friend. I really like I should have won up like a Pulitzer for bullying. I was incredible in the prime of my life. Like I remember uh, in second grade, Peter had like a bad fall and he had to get staples in his head. And I told everyone in the second grade that we had gotten into an argument at an office depot (laughs) and that I'd attacked him. (laughs) And so no one should fuck with Jamie, right? And he was a great friend, so he didn't correct them. And, and like, we were best friends. I, I transferred schools, uh, but we still would visit each other. We lived down the street from each other. We'd hang out every week. Uh, and then junior high came along, 
And uh, Peter and I went to the same school again. It had been a couple years since we'd been hanging out with other kids, and, and he... I noticed that he had started to act, he, he, he acted kind of differently around other kids, and, and not like, like we had, I guess we had crushes on each other at different points, but it's like, you know, when it's like an opposite sex friendship and, and you're, you're both straight, the crushes come like four full years apart, because men mature slower, so it's like, it's almost like a fart that I release in like fourth grade that he smells in eighth grade. <laughs> And then we're like, oh, forget it. There's no fart, right? And then we're just friends. But he, he acted different around other kids, and we'd only hung out alone for the past couple of years. And, you know, he just, like, he had a very short fuse. He would get mad kind of out of nowhere, and, and I didn't understand why. Like, there, there was one time at lunch where I accidentally got mustard on his shirt, and he got so mad that he crushed a carton of chocolate milk until it exploded in to that time like at that time that was the most dramatic thing I'd ever <laughs> experienced I was like oh my god like that was like World War One beginning <laughs> for me and it was scary I was like why is my friend so mad and and you know there'd be times where he'd just storm off in the middle of a conversation if he said the wrong thing and and you know, I was 12. I didn't know what it was. And then I knew that Peter had seen a doctor and he had some medicine and now he wasn't as mad anymore. And that's all we ever said about it. We never talked about it more. And um, we, you know, we continued to grow up. Peter and I both went on each other's first date, though we have never been on a date together. Um, when he was 12, I, I accompanied his first date to the roller rink. Uh, I was not a threat because I was wearing a back brace <laughs> and mouth braces and glasses, and I thought that being punk rock meant that you didn't brush your hair and only wore swishy pants. So <laughs> couldn't have been a less fuckable child, so I was just sort of there, like, that's my friend. And we went to high school. We were still best friends. Finally, I got my back brace off and went on my first date a full three years later, and I brought Peter, and uh, I was I was 15, and it was let it was way weirder to do it when you're 15 on a two-person date. But also Peter's there, and we're all seeing Indiana Jones 4. Um, <laughs> but we're we're still very close, and. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we graduated from high school, went to college in different states, but stayed close. And then when we were 19, uh, so this was like about halfway through our sophomore year of college during winter break, I got a call from Peter's sister because I knew his family very well. We'd lived in the same neighborhood my whole life. And I got a call from his sister saying, hey, something is wrong and Peter's in the hospital. Could you and another friend go visit him? And I don't want to say what's going on because I think that he should tell you. And so I said, okay, you know, and, and, and he wasn't sick that I knew of. I knew that he always took those pills that prevented him from not crushing milk cartons. Um, but that's all I knew. So I went with my friend and, uh, we brought him a bunch of science magazines and we went to the address and it was a, it was a mental hospital. Uh, not too far from where we lived. And they took our science magazines, because if you know anything about mental hospitals, you're not supposed to have anything that could cause paper cuts. So good gesture, but he never knew. And we went, and we talked to him, and 
he was just like, hey, thanks for coming. And then didn't never said anything about, you know, why he was there and just thanked us for coming. And it was a little uncomfortable. And then we left. And then I didn't hear from him for four years after that. And I tried so hard to like there were for the first two years, I would text him once a week uh, to say, hey, I exist, right? And I'm not far and, and hope you're okay, hope you're well. For for two whole years and, and I never heard back. And then uh, I'm from Massachusetts and when I was moving out here, I tried texting him one last time because uh, I hadn't tried in about six months or something like that. And, and I said, hey, I'm moving across the country in a couple weeks, so if you wanna hang out, would love to see you. And he answered that time, and he said, okay, let's get Indian food, which I don't know if, the, you know, the first time you see someone in three years, you want to get Indian food with them, because <laughs> that means you're going to smell weird. But uh, we got Indian food, and um, and it was okay, but it was like we just we just didn't really know each other anymore. And so much time had passed, uh, especially because we were that young, where it, it was like, you know, I had started doing comedy. I'd, I'd gone through a really bad relationship. I'd gone through my own stuff. I had bipolar disease, which, yes, was obviously what he'd had the whole time. And we never talked about it. And we hung out that one time. And now every time I go home, I think about him, and I think, uh, maybe I should text Peter, or maybe we should be friends again, uh, but I, I don't, or I haven't yet, because I'm scared that, you know, it's been too much time now, and what if he fucking sucks, right? Like, what if my friend, who I love and used to have everything in common with, what if there's nothing that we have in common besides maybe possibly the same pills that we take, and uh, I should someday, but every time I bring it up to my dad, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should text Peter. Maybe I should see what he's up to. And my dad, who's been divorced from my mom for 10 years now, would be like, never text your friend after a long time not seeing each other. You will end up in a 25-year marriage. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> and he was me that day. That gal draws some really cool stuff. Um, just for the record, I was an extremely fuckable child. <laughs> Coming up to the stage next, close out the show. You guys, uh, if you if you listen to the show at all, you heard uh, heard her tell a really incredible story in the past. Um, no pressure at all. Put your hands together for Danny Adelise. What's up? How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Yeah. Fuck, I'm tired. I just, <laughs> I think I just started my period. <laughs> I'm miserable. Um, <laughs> my boyfriend keeps touching him and like, stop touching me. <sighs> I hate you. Come back. <laughs> He's back there hiding. You can't even see him. Um, anyways, so I had a really hard time uh, with this theme. I was, I messaged uh, Chris over there. And she was, I was just like, I don't. I don't know, could it be under the influence? Like, there's not a lot of people that inspire me. I guess my mom thinks she's a good influence, but she's a piece of shit. Like, I don't really know. Um, I was having a really hard time with it, so I'm going to let you guys decide. I do this all the time. Choose a letter, A or B. All at once, go. B. I heard B. 
Great story. All right. So this is a story about being under the influence. Um, a while back, I was in a really shitty relationship with a dude who was like seven years older than me. And he had a kid. And he was bald. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm beautiful. <laughs> My mom's always like, she's like, mira, you don't fuck out with men who have kids. Because you're too pretty for that shit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, she's right. <laughs> but um, so I decided to like fuck with Tinder because like Tinder's cool. And um, I went on a date with the, like, this dude who's really cute. And like, you know, among that, like he didn't drive a douchey car. He had like a Ford, whatever, Ford Focus. It was cute. It was stick shift. I was like, okay, like he can multitask. That's cool. Um... <laughs> But it was cool. It was a good date. You know, we hiked. We did it early in the morning just in case if he was, like, an uggo or, like, a weirdo and, like, I can leave. But it, like, ended up being really cool and we picnicked and I really ended up liking him. But I didn't want a relationship with him because I'd just gotten out of that relationship with that fuck-ass dude and I was over it. So I have always been, like, a really good um, Puerto Rican girl where I've never been drunk. I've still never been drunk. I'm 27 years old, and I've never been drunk in my entire life. Give it up for me! That was weak. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys. But I smoke hella weed, and I have done edibles one time before, and it was the worst experience of my life. I thought I was dying. Like, I literally thought, like, this is the end of me. I have to meet with my dad for brunch tomorrow. This is terrible. He's going to know I smoked weed. Like, <laughs> he won't love me anymore. Um, <laughs> which means a lot because I love my dad a lot. So um, back to the story. Uh, I really like this guy. Like, this dude is so smart. He went to Caltech. At first, I was like, what is that, community college? And he was like, no, it's like a, it's like a school for engineers. It's like top school. It's no big deal. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, fuck. I went to... Mesa College and dropped out of UCSD. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're hanging out. He's really great. He's super kind. And like, then we like had sex like after dating a while. And like, that was new to me because like, this dude, was, I was like freaking out. He was like looking at me. And I was like, why is he looking at me? Like, is there something on my face? And then I realized, no, we're, we're actually having sex. He's not just jerking off into me. So it was cool. I kind of like lost my virginity. It was crazy. Um, and so then I kind of realized, like, well, I really like him a lot. I think I want to keep him around, but I don't want to make him my boyfriend just yet. So we were hanging out at his house, and he had these little edible gummy bears. And like I said, I told myself I would never do a fucking edible again. I don't care what. Like, doesn't matter. You guys, if you could see this dude, he's fucking beautiful. <laughs> like, he is the fucking mulatto Adonis. <laughs> like, he's, his name is Marcus, too. Um, he's, yeah, same dude, I bet. And, <laughs> but, and he's just so nice to me and so accepting of who I am and everything and, like, not pressuring me at all. And then I was just like, yeah, I'll have, like, three gummy bears. <laughs> so I took these three gummy bears and I stayed the night at his house. And then, of course, like, you know, we're going to have sex, you know. Of course I'm going to have sex with this dude. And uh, so we're having sex. And we're in the middle of having sex. And it's, like, cool and stuff. It's, like, the same thing. He's, like, looking at me. He's making eye contact. He's connecting. I'm, like, this is crazy. And then in the middle of it, I heard him say, I love you. And I was, like, what the fuck? I've been dating this dude for, like, a month. Like, what is he thinking? And I'm, like, well, I don't want to, like, be weird. I don't want to stop. And so I'm, like, I love you, too. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of it, he goes, 
thanks. I'm like, thanks? Wait, fuck, did I imagine that? Was I tripping? Was that like, what? <laughs> so like, I'm just like there like, like, oh God, like, oh Like, I'm immediately feeling the weed. Like, it's hitting me so hard in the middle of this and I'm just like, oh God, it feels so good, but what did I say? Did he even say it? Why is he on top? God, he's beautiful. Fuck! <laughs> All these feelings and I just can't handle it. I'm like, I'm ready to cry. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe it's okay. Maybe he's like, his parents are still married. I don't know what love's like. My parents aren't married. They don't, they, they don't like, I don't know. My dad loves me and that's it. My mom loves herself. So <laughs> I don't know what love is, guys. Um, so I'm just like, oh, okay. And then I kind of like roll over to him, just like check in. And I was like, hey, so what's up? You said he loved me? And he's like, like really calmly with his beautiful naked body. He's like, oh, no, I didn't. But that's okay. First thought, like, first thought was like, oh, that's so sweet. Second thought is like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm so embarrassed. I'm thinking like, I'm like shaking. I'm even shaking telling the story, guys. Like, I'm still embarrassed. I was like, I mean, and I look at him. I was like, oh, I didn't mean it. He's like, it's really, it's okay. I was like, are you sure you didn't say it? He's like, I really, I didn't, I didn't say it. Like, with his deep, sexy voice, he's like, I didn't say it. With like his beautiful brows. And I was just like, huh. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> So I roll over onto like the side of the bed and I'm like looking at his wall and then I look over at him and I'm like, are you for real right now though? Like you really didn't say that? He's like, nah. And I was like, oh man, this is the worst. But he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like it's not a big deal. And I'm like, I'm on the other side of the bed going, kill yourself. So... So the next day, I, like, leave this... He had to, like, go do some Caltech bullshit, like, build a robot or fucking do his life. I don't even care. Like, I'm a fucking comedian. What do I know? And <laughs> he's gone to build his robot. He's like, hey, um, I'm going to leave you right here, but let's talk later. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And so I go, and I go into work, and I tell everyone at, like... At the time, I was working at BuzzFeed, and I tell everyone that's on the Pedalike team, who's the Latin channel team, and I tell one of my best friends, I'm like, dude, I just told this dude that I loved him when I was high on edibles. He's like, what the fuck? You were high on edibles? Yo, mama, I didn't think it was going to do that anymore. <laughs> he's Dominican. He's from New York. I made him sound Puerto Rican. Because <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. And so uh, we're the same. Um, but then, like, later on that night... I was like, what do I do? Do I call him? Like, do I not call him? Do I bring it up? I'm not even going to bring it up. Like, I'm just not going to do anything. He's like, yo, mama, here's what we're going to do. Okay? So we're going to go to karaoke tonight. Okay? He loved karaoke. I love karaoke. We all love karaoke. Do you love karaoke? You look like you love karaoke. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's just pick this motherfucker up and see what happens. Because he hadn't texted me all day. Like, fuck that guy, right, for not texting me all day, first off. And so we go to pick it up, pick it up, pick him up. And uh, everything's fine. He's like, yo, mama, whatever you do, don't bring it up. And the whole ride on the car, the guy's like, yo, Danny just keeps telling about me. It keeps telling me about you. She loves you. She just loves you. <laughs> and, like, I never spoke of it again until a couple months ago. I'm still with the guy. After I forced him to love me before he left on a trip. Because I was like, I feel like I love you. Do you feel like you love me? And he was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I love you. <laughs> um, I let him know. I was like, hey, 
that thing that happened when I was hanging with birds, I just want to let you know I didn't mean it then, but I do mean it now. And then he looked over at me and was like, I mean it now too. And I do love you a lot. And I really appreciate you for being yourself all the time. And we're still together today. And he's sitting in the back there if you want to make fun of him. Thank you. Y'all, one last uh, little parting shot for you here. My nearest Bumble match is 87 miles away. Thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Thank you all so much. We're doing our after party at the Kibitz Room. And as I always say, you don't have to stay here, but you can never go home. And another one bites the dust. Thank you for listening to another episode of Personally Speaking. Share your friends, tell true stories to make you laugh. If, again, I'll say this one more time, not going to KCRW you about it. For those who are not going to PCC you about it, not going to NPR you about it, I'm not going to beg you for donations or subscriptions. But if you like the show and you want to keep abreast of things, um, just go into your podcast app and click subscribe. It's easy as that. If you want to find out um, what we're doing a little bit farther out, you want to get tweets about the show, just go to at It's Personal Now. Be tweeting about their about our show there from time to time. If you want to follow me, your host, Christiana Morganroth, on Twitter, you can do so at, at I am Future Tense. Uh, days have been dark, so I slowed down a little bit on Twitter lately. I've also just been living out in the world a little bit more. But you're so inclined, follow me over there. In the meantime, uh, we do have a great June show lined up for you guys. It's going to be greatest hits collection of some of our most wonderful stories, but we are not recording a live show in June, so we'll see you again at the Open Space Theater in July. Until then, look out for one another. <laughs>